at the end of 2022, whenever the elders in Jordan sat down to talk about the theme for this year, the thing that was brainstormed around the table was the very song that we have just sung. O thou fount of every blessing. I hope as we sung that now 12 times, that has not become routine for any one of us. I hope as Jordan and I have worked through this song each fourth Sunday, that we have brought something to your attention. We brought something to heighten your awareness of what Robert Robinson meant when he wrote this song in 1758. I just mentioned a year there, 1758. It's amazing we sing a song that was still written in 1758. But yet the words of this song are still powerful. The words of this song, of this song is still, still memorable and moving for us. When Robinson wrote the song, it really was a forebear of things that he was going to endure in his life. I know he planned not long after the song was written to leave the God he loved. And so when he writes the words, prone to leave the God I love, those were somewhat self-fulfilling because he did. I don't know if the story is true, but it certainly well illustrates, but I'll attribute it to truth because the story is told that he's riding in a stagecoach with a woman one day, and she's singing this song. And after it's over, he said, Madam, I wrote that song. I would I could feel today like I did the day I wrote those words. It wandered far away. And I wonder if as we sing this song and as we've contemplated it in different lessons, if there's something that struck us in our life as we've considered each particular section that has challenged us to take a deep look within ourselves about our life and our walk with God. In the early part of the year, Jordan carried the weight with regard to the song. I don't think I've caught up on the times. I appreciate the work that he did, all the songs that we, that we went through, all the verses went through. But we close today with this last of phrases, take my heart and seal it for your courts above. I can't talk about that phrase with you without mentioning at least three things this song tells us about God. And without walking back through the song, without taking 12 lessons to do that with you this morning. And so I want to remind you of some things that we've talked about to bring it to this crescendo of this expression, take my heart and seal it. For thy courts above. What is Robinson telling us in that song? What's that sentiment to express to us? Well, the first thing that we see when we begin to think about this song is we begin to think about the, the wonder of God and we begin to think about all the glory of God. We begin to think about his goodness. When you think about this song, O thou fount of every blessing, I'm reminded of Paul in the book of Ephesians, chapter 1 beginning in verse 3 and going down through verse 10, where in verse 3 he tells us all spiritual blessings are in Christ. 
And then he begins to enumerate those spiritual blessings. Some of which are forgiveness, chosen, adopted, redeemed by his blood, the mystery being made known to us, and having the guarantee of the Spirit, the earnest of his inheritance. We see those blessings, all those blessings flow from God, flow from Christ himself. So we sing the song, O Thou Fount of Every Blessing. Where do the blessings flow from? The blessings flow, flow obviously from God. In fact, his goodness produces the blessings. It might be that when we think about God, we think about his greatness. That's hard for us to contemplate. And in fact, his greatness may leave us a little awestruck, may leave us a little fearstruck. But yet the paradox of this song is, when we consider the fount of every blessing that comes with streams of mercy, that fear turns to no fear, that fear turns to love. The song, the expression, O thou fount of every blessing, streams of mercy. I think of Ephesians chapter 2 and verses 4 through 6. For God who is rich in his mercy has bestowed that to us. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And yet it's not the works of man, but the gift of God. Streams of mercy. The streams of mercy speak of the richness of God and the great abundance that God has to offer us with his inexhaustible mercy. I know what you think about when you think of rich. When I think about rich, I think of Solomon. He might make Warren Buffett look like a pauper. But I think of Solomon. Solomon had inexhaustible resources. Solomon never had to worry about at the end of the month balancing his check. He didn't have to worry at the end of the month did he have 10 cents left after he paid all the bills for 30 days to live. He never had to worry about that. Solomon had inexhaustible, immeasurable resources. And in those inexhaustible, immeasurable resources, he just had streams of riches that flowed. I, this idea of streams, again, brings to my mind an image. You think about the streams of Colorado. You think about those small streams that trickle down from the mountain of Colorado. And you think about those small streams trickling down over the rocks. And you think about as they, they do, they splash and they affect everything around them. Here you have this stream of mercy, the mercy of God, this stream of mercy, and it's sprinkling all around, spreading that mercy to all, making it available. And so the psalm begins reminding us of this fount of blessings. And it brings us to think about the richness of the great streams of mercy. Well, if that's the case, why wouldn't it naturally be of the verse in between to say, tune our lips to sing thy praise. Because of all the great blessings he's given to us, that are streams of mercy, what is the one reflexive response? Tune our lips to sing thy praise. Have have any one of us ever felt like we're out of tune? Have our lives felt like that instead of enjoying the streams of mercy we've crashed against 
the rocks? Have we considered that we're just kind of blah, kind of just floating along as opposed to being tuned? And so what that verse is telling us is, God, tune my heart, tune my heart to you to sing praise of mercy because of your great riches that flow from your mouth of every blessing. You see that reminds us of? That reminds us of the goodness of God. And so that's the introduction to the song. The second part of this song reminds us of God when he talks about this man that is not just prone to wonder, but the one who longs for something that's stable. Someone that is a help. It, it longs for guidance. Jordan did a great job on this one. This idea of this Ebenezer. Again, a word we don't really talk about a lot in our vocabulary. But it comes from the Old Testament story in 1 Samuel chapter 7 and verse 12. When the children of Israel are going up against the Philistines and the Philistines are bearing hard down upon them. And they cry to God, please help. Please give us a victory. And this word Ebenezer means this stone of help. Here is God, this stone, this, this large stone of help that provided a victory for them. And then the Israelites do just what Israelites did all during the wilderness wandering. They set up an altar. And they made that the stone of Ebenezer to remind them of the great help of God. Do you remember about those altars they set up along the way? Do you remember when they come across the river, first place they come is to Gilgal? And there the Lord tells them, you bring the rocks and you set them up. And Joshua will tell us the reason they did that was so the children would ask, what do those rocks mean? And their fathers could tell them those rocks are memorial. They're memorial to the deliverance that God has enabled us to have and now enter this promised land, the inheritance that he's given to us. Well, can you just imagine as, as they wander through over and over again, the wilderness, and they come against this stone, they pass this great stone of help. They ask, what do these stones mean? And they say, these stones are set not as an idol. These stones are set as a memorial to the great help that God gave us when he gave us the victory, the victory over the Philistine. God, give us victory. Give us a stone of help. Here I raise my Ebenezer. Here I raise my great stone of help for you. And so we think about that stone of help that is ours. We think about the great grace that God has given to us. This inexhaustible source of grace, this inexhaustible source of strength that is found in the rock, the rock, the pillar of our lives, Jesus Christ himself. And so we cry for victory. 
Why? Because we have a great adversary. That great adversary is, is against us and fighting against us, and we cry for God. God, please give us help. And he gives us help in the form of the one who is the rock, Jesus Christ. And so here I raised my Ebenezer. Here I raised the great stone of help that you have given to me. Well, then it brings us to the last section, and that is the God of grace. He speaks about this great love of God, but yet how he's prone to leave it. Grace is favor. There's no doubt we don't deserve it, but undeserved is not part of the definition of the word. That's our response to it. The definition deals with favor, a, a favor, a beneficent kindness, a, a, a favor that is bestowed upon someone that you love. And here is this great grace that is given to us by God that enables us to have this victory and that gives us this fount of every blessing through streams of mercy. How could we ever forget that grace? But yet, like Robinson, we may seem prone to leave the God I love, prone to wander from him. Here that great grace is extended to us, and yet we are prone to wander from that. Is there any one of us that maybe have done that, but yet come back? I think about in the song, it talks about how he's going to seek the sheep as a shepherd seeks one who is lost. The shepherd, remember the parable, the trilogy of Matthew in Luke chapter 15? The shepherd has 99 and has one that's lost. I wonder what I would have done with that. I wonder if I'd have said, you know, I've got 99. It's not worth me losing 99 to go find the one. I'll just stay pat. I'll deal with the 99. But that's not what the shepherd did. The shepherd said that one lamb is lost. I'm going to go seek that lamb. God came seeking us. God came to us. God has sought us. His great grace is found in his seeking us. We left the path of our seeking him. We wandered from him. And yet he did not give up on us. He came as a shepherd that cares for his flock, seeking me and you. That ought to help us feel special about what God has done for us. Well, if that's the case, then there's only one thing to say. Here's my heart. Here's my heart. The heart is the one thing God will not, God will not compel from man. God could have gotten the do, but he wanted the will and the do. The one thing that man has, that man possesses the choice over, is his heart. He says, I can appeal to you through love. I can warn you through fear. 
I can open my arms wide for you and shed my blood for you, but I cannot compel your heart. And so Robinson, when he closes the song, says, here's my heart, or I give my heart to you. Here's my heart, my soul, and my mind. I give all my, the totality of all my being to you. I surrender it all to you. Lord, you are the one and only most important, important one in my life. Everything else is secondary to you. Here I, I, I offer you my heart. And then he says, take and seal it. What does that mean? Take and seal it. Well, we don't do it much today, but in ancient times, and occasionally you'll find someone doing this today, but it's infrequent, in which you write a letter. And on the back of that, you'll have this little pad with a stamp of an initial put there. And that little stamp in that what softened putty certifies this letter is from who it says it is. Twice in the book of Esther, it says that Ahasuerus sealed it. The first had to do with Haman and the lie that Haman perpetrated in trying to have all the Jews killed. But the Haman was found out and it was reversed. And now it was reversed and it says, and he sealed it which meant that Ahasuerus put his stamp on it as being, this is from me, and it will not, it cannot change. Maybe we would appreciate it this way. If you're married, whoever you stood before, the time in the ceremony came in which whoever officiated said, may I please have the ring? And the ring is taken and put on each his hand and says, please repeat after me. With this ring, I do thee wed. And with all my worldly goods, I do thee endow. Till death do us part. That ring says, that promise is sealed. That promise has been made and exchanged. There's no second guessing, no going back. The ring says we have been entered into a covenant relationship that is now sealed with the exchange of this token. It seals the deal. It doesn't break the deal. It says I belong to you and you belong to me. Maybe in legal papers it might be this. It's been notarized. And so here, Robinson says... Lord, I'm prone to wonder, prone to leave the God I love. I realize that. Lord, take my heart. I only offer to you. Take my heart. And Lord, notarize it. Seal it. Lord, stamp it as authentic. Stamp it as genuine. Stamp it as real. Yes, you put your seal on my heart. And then he says, you do it for the courts above. If you'd like to turn to Revelation chapter 4, I'll be there in just a moment. What are the courts above? What are the courts? Well, if you come into the court of Ahasuerus, then, then you have all the subjects that are before Ahasuerus that are there. And as they're gathered there, there's his court come before, before the, who? The, the king. And so the court has to do with all those who are assembled before the king. 
seal it for, thy, for the presence of all the general assembly of all that are before you. So just think of the ultimate general assembly of the court above. We often say this. This is the local church. That's the universal church. The Hebrew writer will call it the general assembly. Here is the general assembly, the court above all saints of all times gathered before his throne. And listen to what they're doing. Verse 8, Then the four living creatures, each having six wings, full of eyes and around and within, and they do not rest day or night, saying, Holy, holy, holy Lord God Almighty who is and who is to come. Whenever the living creatures give glory and honor, thanks to him who sits on the throne, thanks to him who sits on the throne, who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever and cast their crowns before the throne saying, You are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things and by your will they exist and were created. In chapter 5, in verse 9, it says, And they sang a new song saying, You are worthy to take the scroll, to open its seals for you were slain and you redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe, tongue, and people and nation and have made us kings and priests that we might reign on earth with you. And then he will say in verse 11, Then I looked and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne, living creatures and the elders and the number of them and 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive honor, to receive power, riches, wisdom, strength and honor, glory and blessing. And every creature which is in heaven and on earth and under the earth and such are in the sea, and all that are in them I heard saying, Blessing and honor, glory and power be to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb who rules forever and ever. When he says, Seal it for thy courts above, what are they doing in the court above? They're singing, they're worshiping, they're offering thanks. They're praising him for his glory, for his honor, for his power, for his might, for his creating genius. They're praising him with all they have. And the 24 elders are coming, they throw their crowns down and say, I submit myself to you. All are bowing before him. So when we sing, here's the crescendo of the song that began with a fount of every blessing, and here's the fount of every blessing. Take my heart and seal it that I might be part of your court above, praising you forever and ever. There's the fount of every blessing. So when we sing that song, but I'm just repeating something from 1758. It is the diary. It is the prayer. It is the prayer of our life. Set the verse. That leaves us with one thing to do, and that is to cry. Take my heart and seal it. Because I want to be part of your courts above. The story is told of a little boy who walked by the pet shop and said, Puppies for sale. The little boy goes in the pet shop and asks the owner, said, How much are your puppies? And the owner says, Oh, between $30 and $50. All the boy had, he pulled out of his pocket, was $2.37. The 
and said, can I see the puppies? And so the owner called for the puppies, and the lady that was back in the back in the kennel let the puppies go, and they all ran out, but there was one that was lagging behind. And he came with a limp. The store owner said, you don't want that little puppy. That little puppy will do no good for you. He doesn't have a hip socket, and he will always limp. The little boy said, I want that puppy. The owner said, no, I'm not going to sell you that puppy. I will give you that puppy. And with great resolution, he said, I don't want you to give me that puppy. Here's my $2.37, and I'll pay you 50 cents a month until I get you paid off. And he pulled up his pant leg and showed a gnarled, twisted leg and said to the owner, I don't run well either. And I want him to know that when he limps, he has someone that understands. And we have a great high priest who knows our infirmities, who understands. He understands when we limp and when we fall. Because he was tempted in all points like as we are, yet without sin. It is that great high priest that we come and we bow. And we pray to God, crying, We know you understand, O oh God. Take our hearts. Please seal them or your courts above. D used to say this, if you miss heaven, you miss it all. If we miss being a part of that court above, we don't want the court below. And that rock, that great high priest, who understands, gave his blood to seal our hearts with his love. And we can come to him have all of our sins washed away because we know, we know he's the Christ. And as we rise from that grave, we can say, please let me in your courts above. Thank you for connecting with us this morning. We're so thankful that you were able to do that. If you have questions, we'd love to have the opportunity to talk to you. You can contact us at www.thebibleway.com or questions at thebibleway.com questions at thebibleway.com We'd love to have you in person. Come if you can, but thank you for connecting with us.